to Love Babs Love Talk. Happy Friday, beautiful people. It is Friday in the Elm, and it's a, I think it's going to be a kind of a rainy day. So um, my camera, my cam- my feed is not acting right. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to click the picture. You can hear me. <laughs> I'll click it back on. Maybe it needs some time to warm up. I don't know. It's Friday. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. It's Friday. Lots, lots, lots going on. Last night, uh, a couple of events were going on. The Arts and Ideas had their Visionary Awards, honoring Leah Pennyman, the Black farmer. I didn't get a chance to get to that because I was over at Southern Connecticut State University uh, hanging out with uh, Shonda Holloway and Dr. Savon uh, Carter-David because they had an exhibition called Seven Lenses. And uh, it's in Black History Month. And it is to showcase uh, artists and to uh, usher in uh, Africana studies at Southern Connecticut State University. So y'all know Shonda Holloway, who uh, uh, is an extraordinary artist here in New Haven. And, and and an extremely talented curator. So she curated this event. So they're going to be on at TID 15 to talk about this. It was a wonderful reception, well attended. The food was fabulous. It was a good night. So uh, they'll be on at TID 15 to talk about what all this means and, and what all this is. Um, so stay tuned for that. I don't think there's a word on the street today uh, because Paul doesn't do it on Fridays. You know, Princess Paul does not do it on Friday. So <laughs> just kidding, Paul. Just kidding. Good morning, Harry Droz. Hope all is well on this good Friday. I don't know if it's raining in Waterbury. Uh, it looks like it's a little overcast here in New Haven. Uh, but it, uh, And they said it's going to rain. But the rain hasn't started yet. Although it did rain yesterday. Uh, it was like 70 degrees yesterday. 70 degrees. Like when I got in my car, I was 65. I, I Listen, the cherry blossoms are blooming in D.C. Have you seen the cherry blossoms in D.C.? They are blooming. So I was like, okay. All right, cherry blossoms early. And then the temperature is going to plunge a little bit for tomorrow. And then Sunday, back up to 50. So it's going to drop down to the 20s. <laughs> and... uh and then uh and then back back up to these 50s and 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 that's what it is so i i'm not going to complain i know people are complaining and it's freakish i know it's freakish i listen i understand uh but i kind of like it so there's that uh so be that as it may this is our new normal right now so connecticut is uh the lower part of Virginia. <laughs> you know how you're in the lower part of Virginia is warm? You know, it's like really, really warm. It's warm. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just telling you. I'm not going to fight it. So I'm, I'm, I'm embracing it. What am I going to, what, what can I do? <laughs> what can I do? Nothing. So my voice is a little hoarse, a little thin. Because I've been doing a lot of talking. And uh, and last night I got to host the reception and talk to the artists. And it was so, it was so, so amazing. So amazing. So wonderful. 
and uh and i had such a good time i had a really good time so i i, I like being a, a professional conversationalist <laughs> that's that's what i'm gonna call myself a professional conversationalist because i love the art of conversation and uh there's not too many conversations i won't have with people now i like i said yesterday there are people i will not have conversations with just on merit uh just because i can't but for the most part 99 percent of the time i'm conversing with people all the time so uh yeah i don't know what's happening with my with my um with my camera it is just doing its own thing i, I don't know why i don't know why but i'm i'm just gonna let it do its thing um Breakwater Books and Guilford is, uh, is looking for uh, uh, a new owner. The two guys are, are selling it. They're putting it on the market. You know, they're, they're in no rush. They're both attorneys. Uh, they both work in Manhattan. Uh, they live in Guilford. They're, not, they're in no rush, but they are looking for someone to buy it. If I had some money, I would. I don't have any money. I don't have any access to money. So, uh, so I'm not buying it, you know. Because I, I would make it a very black-ass bookstore. I don't know if Guilford is in the mood for that, but that's what I would do. I'd make it a black-ass bookstore. <sighs> but they don't have to worry about it because I'm not buying it. So don't worry, Guilford. I know you people who are in Guilford are listening to me are trembling in your beds and in your boots. Oh, my God, don't let Babs buy that bookstore. I'm not. But if I were... <laughs> Hella black. <laughs> Hella black and black, 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 black. So anyway, they are selling. You know, I had them on a uh, uh, couple of years ago, before the pandemic even. Um, and they were just new owners at that point because I guess they've had it for three years. So they were new owners at that point. So I had them on. And it was lovely to talk to them. It was lovely, lovely, lovely. So I don't know if I'll get them on before you know, they put the thing up for sale. Maybe I'll reach out to them and see if they want to come on and talk a little bit about, you know, what this means to Guilford, what this means to them. You know, I think running a business is tough and, you know, they stay long enough to, 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 to make a profit and to have good success so that the next person coming in um, um, doesn't have to, you know, drag it up from the, from the bottom of the ocean. So, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, independent bookstores are, are 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 making a really a really strong comeback. So uh, there are more and more of them, and particularly black bookstores. So they're they're enjoying a modicum of success at the moment. Uh, people are reading. People have always been reading. I, I never buy into this. Oh, people don't read, and I certainly don't buy into this notion that black people don't read because it has been black people who have been single handedly handedly keeping black authors uh, alive and thriving. So uh, that's a myth. I'm going to dispel right the hell now. <laughs> right the hell now. But anyway. Uh, yeah, it's Friday in the Elm. Uh, I have no plans tonight. You know why? Because I have to take the LSAT in the morning. Well, practice LSAT. You know, we're taking the practice LSAT. This is our third attempt. So, you know, I'm in the Yale Access to Law School program, which I'm enjoying. It's a, it is challenging. It is quite challenging to me. 
Um, and I and I often come away feeling a little defeated, but not in a bad, like not in a depressed, like I don't want to do this kind of way, but just like, okay, let me, let me, let me suck it up and, and work a little harder. So my study um for the last several weeks, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. from 5 to 8 a.m. trying studying, not trying, studying. Uh, I have a uh uh I've already been assigned a coach who, from the very beginning, and now I'm working with uh, a coach specifically on the LSAT games. Um, and so that's been interesting because, you know, I'm struggling with some of that because this is a new, it's a new way of thinking. It's a new language and, and it's only for LSAT. It's not for law school. It's for LSAT. Who knew? So, uh, so I'm going to be home. I'm going to be in the bed early and have a decent dinner. I'm going to get up early enough so I can make myself some coffee and be ready uh, for uh, LSAT. And, you know, it's like a three-hour damn test. So that's what it is. So we're taking our third uh, practice LSAT. Um, the first one was just without any warning, you know, without any telling you what to do or whatever. You just take it. A baseline, you know, just to give you a sense of, okay, what is happening? What do you know? How do you do this? So we took it. I did really well. I did way better than, I was, it was impressive. The second time, after we've had some weeks and months of study and tools, and uh, it dipped a great deal, like 20 points, you know, like 20. And I was a little disheartened by that and they were like yeah because you know when you're reading these questions you're trying to apply what you know and it takes time so this one i'm hoping will give me the baseline that i need so that it becomes the score to beat moving forward that's lofty i know i just i just you know i just need to be i i really want to do better than the second test I want to get the numbers back up to where they were in the first test because I could build from that. I think, you know, I could build from that. So we'll see, you know, ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking. It's a little bit nerve wracking uh, because I want to do well. And <sighs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I don't, I, I do not anyway feel defeated. I feel quite encouraged. The program is encouraging. The, the law students that are working with us are hella encouraging. Like they couldn't be more encouraging. Uh, my classmates and my cohort, we are all encouraging. They couldn't be more encouraging. I, it is just amazing to me and interesting. And, uh, and, I, and I love doing it. So we'll see what happens. So I'm in the house. I'm in the house tonight and and tomorrow. And then Sunday, uh, I've got a photo shoot that I'm a photo shoot that I'm participating in at like eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I don't I I, I don't know why, but I'm gonna go do it and then I'm gonna come on home. I don't, I don't have any plans to be out there doing anything other than, you know. Uh, that and then get back home and chill for the rest of the day. That's what I want to be doing. And just, uh, you know, uh, relaxing and, uh, and working on stuff in the house, you know, and just, you know, 
whatever. I'm going to go get my hair colored after this. Because my friend Kay was like, girl, uh, do you see your hair? <laughs> yes, Kay, I do. But, you know, it's been hectic. So I'm going to get my hair colored. <laughs> I'm happier when my hair is colored. You know, because my gray, like some people, their gray grows in beautifully. My gray doesn't grow in beautifully. It's patchy. So uh, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to go uh, and uh, take care of it. So that's my thing today. That's my, that's my deal. And I'm meeting somebody. Uh, at the new pistachio at 12, 130, which I'm looking forward to uh, at the new pistachio because I hear it's all that. And it's right there on Howe Street. So I'm excited to go over there and, you know, get me a good cup of coffee. They, they do that Mexican coffee that I love, hot chocolate, Mexican chocolate. And, and I get it with oat milk and it's so good. Or I can get the rose coffee, which I love too, which I love just as much you know, with oat milk. So <laughs> see, see, see my relationship to food and drink. <laughs> that is my relationship to food and drink. So I, I thought I was going to talk about Nikki Haley making her announcement to run for president of these United States. I, I just don't, I just, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> I mean, that mess that she said in South Carolina is is for South Carolina. I, I'm not going to say a damn thing. Ain't nobody going to vote for her. And uh, and intelligent, smart people definitely are not going to vote for her. So I'm just going to, I mean, I think we've learned our lesson with Trump. We cannot have stupid people in office. We just cannot. And and she's of that ilk. So therefore, uh, I listened to her and I, I just, I was just amazed. But then again, I'm not because that's how they roll. You know, they roll with just lies and foolishness. And I, I, I just don't, I, I, there's nothing, nothing I want to make me carry on the way that they do for uh, election. I, I hope I never am in that place again to, to just, just for any, any reason. I, I just hope I'm not. So anyway, I, I was going to talk about her, but I don't want to talk about her. So I'm just going to leave her in the ether. And, uh, and you know, I'll get I'll get around to politics more fully when it gets closer and shorn up with some folks. You know, when I see more people throw their hat in the ring, which, you know, for the Republican Party is just an exercise in clown car. You know, how many how many clowns can we fit in the car? You know, that's that's the playbook. So I, I it's. You know, there's two people in the in the ring right now. I'm not excited. And uh, I'll just wait. And then we'll see, you know, what happens on the Democratic side. You know, if Biden is really going to run again. I think he's gearing up. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not concerned that he's 80. Because I sit at 60. And I like to believe that as I age, I still will be able to do stuff. You know, we, we gone are the days where you just put people out the pasture. You know, we sit them, sit them in the front room and turn the TV on. People, people, uh, people live long and have abilities, and we we need those abilities. You know, we we need them. We need the experience. So 
so that's all I'm going to say about that. Everything else I'll leave, I'll leave, uh, I'll leave alone. I'll just leave it alone. And uh, I'll just leave it alone. I understand. Uh, uh, now, let me, let me, I, 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 I recorded Samara Joy on uh, Jimmy Fallon because I knew I couldn't stay up late enough to watch it. Now, I am a late person, but because I've been getting up at five o'clock in the morning to study, it's been uh, hard. And last night I got home, you know, the event was over by like 7.30 or so. So I was home by like 8, 8.15. It was great. Uh, but I was really tired. And so I had a couple of glasses of wine and I went to bed. I mean, I went to bed. I made sure I recorded it because I just, normally I like to stay up. I watch the news. I watch whatever, whatever. And, uh, and I'll shut the TV off at about, you know, one o'clock. Not tonight, not last night. I was like, ooh, I, I went to bed before the news came on. That's how tired I was. Like, I knew I was tired. You know, normally I'm like, I'm tired, but I can watch a little TV. Oh, I'm tired, but I can sit up a little bit. No, last night I was like, mm, I'm tired, in my pajamas, under the covers, lights out. Swear to God, it was that serious. So I was like, okay. So I'm glad I taped it. So I'll, I'll go back and watch it like this evening or something. You know, because I love her. Y'all know I love her. I'm such a fan girl. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll watch her. So anyway, at uh, at the at the event last night, uh, the folks, I got got a chance to have a conversation with the artist uh, from Seven Lenses. It was it was really, really good. These artists are so prolific, so prolific. Uh, Robert Cooper, Lydia Douglas, uh, Corin Martin. Who, who her uncle came in in her stead because she had a pinched nerve in her uh, 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 she had a pinched nerve and so she couldn't come. Uh, Katrina Goldburn, who uh, um, document is documenting the very first enslaved person who was a woman uh, in New Haven. She dressed her mama up as her and took pictures. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, Ebony uh, McKelvey, who I saw uh, at, uh, who I saw at Erector Square pre-pandemic, uh, I was, I saw her art, her photography. She has this cute little daughter too. Cute, cute, cute. And, uh, and she had uh, a crown, had an artist in a crown. And I love this crown so much. I asked her where she got it from. She told me Etsy and gave me the info. But I went to Etsy and bought the damn thing three years ago. I've not worn it, but I have it. I have it. Uh, Jamel Shabazz uh, and P.W. Uh, Anga uh, and Linda Mickens, who had some beautiful bronze statues on display. And she talked about how it was her early work. Um, and then how she had to give up doing bronze sculpture because bronze became expensive, you know, it came too expensive to, to keep at it. Uh, and they're beautiful. <laughs> like they are beautiful pieces. I don't, she has such, she's such a talent. She really is a talent. So, uh, and as I said, uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Carter David and uh, uh, Shonda will be on at 1015 to talk more about um, the curation of this exhibit and Africana studies at Southern. You know, I heard a little bit about it last night. 
Uh, but it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. It's ex an exciting time. So, um, so yeah, so stay tuned for that. We'll get into it. It'll be a good conversation. My friend Beth Allen is on her way to Connecticut. I look forward to seeing her. She'll be here from the 27th through the 5th, I think. I, I mean, I'm always going to see her. I, for however long I see her, I don't know, but I'm going to see her. We're going to catch up. And she wants to come and see the exhibit at uh, the Creative Arts Workshop. And the Creative Arts Workshop uh, is still up. It will be up until March 18th. So I think you should come see it. It's it's a wonderful exhibition of uh, uh, of talent, and uh, and I want people, I want people to 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 come and uh, take a look at it. Linda Meekin's stuff is there. Uh, uh, Jasmine Nicole and uh, and the brother. Oh, let me just pull it up because if I don't, I'll just get people's. I just get people's names hella wrong. And I, I don't want to do that. So uh, Y Malik Jalal, Linda Mickens, and Jasmine Nicole. So it's made visible, Freedom Dreams. So it's still at the, it's at Creative Arts Workshop. I want you to go. Uh, I have a, a small, I'm a program partner to this, to this event, to this exhibition. Uh, I've already done a little bit of spiritual direction with some folks who came through who are my friends. And I'm grateful to Kay and Pam and uh, Jackie for coming through and being my very first uh, folks and other people. I'll be there. I'm there every Monday uh, till March 6th from three to three to five. So come through. It's a wonderful. I, I, I'm trying to have a very intimate personal experience with people. So come through and get you some of it. <laughs> I don't bite. Well, I do, but I'm not gonna bite you. So so come through Monday, Mondays until March 6th. And then uh and then all of us will be there. All the artists will be there uh February 25th from uh for the, for the better part of the day. I'll be there from one to one to three after I get out of class. So, but uh other artists will be there. So come, come and and let us have uh, a very human experience together, rooted in spirit and love and, and joy. So come, let me let me lay hands on you, as uh, as church folk used to say. Let me put, let me lay some hands on you, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. So so I say all that to say, come, I'll be there, be there. I want you to be there. Uh, what else is going on? Oh my gosh. Oh, so uh, I was at bar the other night for the reception for Stephen and Mildred Ruiz Sapp, who are the uh, Mellon Foundation artists and residents to Long War Theater and their production of, uh, uh, what is their production? Ooh, Lord, that's coming up. And I think people should uh, go see that and buy tickets to that too. Oh, my voice is really, really thinning out. I think because I've just talked so much <laughs> live from the edge. So Stephen and Mildred Ruiz Sapp live from the edge uh, is coming up and you should get tickets. You absolutely should get tickets. And it is, uh, it is April 27th through May 21st. You don't want to miss it. It's going to give you cabaret and 
musical theater and poetry slam and in your face and music and and uh and Ms. Mildred Ruiz Sapp can blow. I mean, she can go. So she did a little something, something for us at bar. And I thought she raised the roof. So I was like, child, I gotta have her back. Gotta have her back. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna try to get them back on sometime in April um, with the whole team and just have a conversation. I had them on with the with uh, Louise from the Stetson. I mean, from uh, the New Haven Free Public Library, the main branch, uh, because I wanted to sort of marry two two very different uh, events that are seemingly unconnected to each other, but very much connected to each other, because you know they have they are about community and New Haven people. So so you know the Mardi Gras, the annual Mardi Gras. Uh, event that the library does is uh, coming up. I think it's Tuesday. Uh, Fat Tuesday. Of course, it's Fat Tuesday. Uh, and so I want people to go and uh, and have a good time and swing. Swing. Just go and swing. I mean, you know, it's always a good time at the library. So, And one of the few times where you can make like a lot of noise. <laughs> you know. You know, it's one of those few opportunities where you could go swing. So I was like, all right, in the library. Like, you can make a lot of noise. Because, you know, libraries inherently are quiet. So, you know. Anyway. Uh, <sighs> life is good. <laughs> you know. Uh, life is good. Life is good. I can't complain. I got some news about a friend of mine. Casey Shane, I'm holding you in my prayers. And we'll talk more. We'll talk more, friend. We'll talk more. We will talk more. And uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it because this is his private business. And until he makes it public, I'm not going to make it public. So I will see you. See you soon. And uh, we'll talk. So, yes, I think it's raining now. Sounds like I'm hearing a little bit of rain outside. <coughs> I, I, my desk is right in front of a window. And I can hear the rain. So I think it's raining. So, yeah. And it's one of those days, I'm telling you, it's one of those days where you think you could just like crawl back into the bed, you know, and just get under the covers and watch a movie or something. And like eat <coughs> comfort food. <coughs> I say I, my voice is just, I'm just, I'm losing. I've been doing a lot of talking. And maybe that's a good thing because, you know, you get to Friday and you're like, ah, you know what? And then I, you know, I get the rest of voice all weekend and then start back up on Monday. Monday is President's Day. Uh, Monday is President's Day. And my guest, I believe, is uh, Dr. Jonathan Berryman, because he's got an event coming up at uh, the New Haven Museum. And uh, I'm excited because it is called, uh, let me, let me, let me pull it up because I think this is a big deal. This is such a big deal. Uh, it is a big, big, big deal. Uh, 
Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So a living history, a living history of choral music in Black New Haven. So um, I'm excited uh, to to have him on uh, uh, to talk about the the of his idea of forming a black choir. And uh, and that's how the Heritage Choral of New Haven um, came together. Jonathan Barry um, um, gathered about thirty like-minded people, and they was at his living room, and they created the idea of forming uh, uh, a black choir. And and this was back in 1998. They did this. And they've been making music ever since. So anyway, uh, in the next week or so, uh, what is this? They're going to present, he's presenting uh, New Haven, Six Degrees of Separation Through Music. Uh, it starts uh, Wednesday, March 1st at the New Haven Museum at 6 p.m. So I'm going to be there because, first of all, I love Jonathan Berryman, Dr. Jonathan Berryman. So I'm going to go see this. And I have a fondness for uh, uh, spiritual gospel music. So so he's going to uh, uh, have a conversation on how music in New Haven connects communities, town and gown and uh, ideologies. And he will include uh, music clips and the like. So he's going to be my guest on Monday. I'm excited. At 10.15. So tune in so we can have a, uh, so you can hear the robust and rich conversation that I already know is going to happen. Like I already know. Because Jonathan is, I mean, he's one of these people that's really, really smart, like genius smart. Uh, and uh and and is rooted in black excellence uh, in a way that Southern black educated folks are, you know, black rooted in black excellence, excellence. Like they lead with that, you know. He's a Yale grad too. Uh, I think he's a I think he's a Princeton grad too. So, well, let me see, let me see, let me see. Oh yes, he went to Princeton. So he got his Bachelor of Arts degree in music at Princeton, and then he earned a Master's of Music degree. Uh, in choral conducting and a certificate in sacred music studies from the Yale Institute of Sacred Music. So he received a doctorate of education from Southern Connecticut State University. So so he is well, well educated, letters, the whole bit and experience. So so tune in Monday, President's Day. And, and y'all are off. I know some of y'all are off, banks are closed, all kinds of things are closed. So you could tune in. And listen to this very rich conversation between Dr. Jonathan Berryman and myself, who I just adore, who I just adore. So I'm looking forward to, to that conversation. Thank you, New Haven Museum, uh, particularly Julie Winkle, who uh, just keeps me, uh, uh, who just keeps me uh, in, in, in good uh, uh, conversations with folks. I appreciate you. I really do. I really do. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's always a lot going on. Um, oh, I drove by. I, I was on, uh, 
what is the damn street? Cha- is that Chapel Street all the way where they put the new peanut uh, rotary in? <laughs> to me, it looks like an amoeba, but to other people, it looks like a peanut. I, I actually like it. Um, I like it because that part of, of what is it, Chapel and whatever that street is, uh, is always janky and dangerous as hell. You know, over there by the Yale Bowl, by the Yale Bowl and uh, Edgewood Park, that whole scene over there. Ah, I'm so glad that they put something in there that reroutes that traffic in a way to slow it down and give people pause about how they move through it uh, because it it you it really was. Tr- Go at your own risk. <laughs> go, go at your own risk. I was like, oh my God. So uh, when I was driving my Keisha home the other night, I happened upon it for the first time. I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And you know, you follow along, but you know, you're just not used to it. So it's freaky. You're like, wait a minute. I was like, okay. I, I Listen, they had to do something and something they did. So I, I, I like it. It's weird. It's it's oddly shaped because we're used to rotaries being, you know, round, like the one over there in City Point and the one over there in Beaver Hill by Hill House. Uh, it's round. This is, I guess, like an amoeba uh, or a peanut, depending on who you talk to. So it's uh, it's weird. But when you see the aerial, it makes sense. But when you're on it, you're like, okay, what is happening here? I like it. I'm not going to complain because I it it needed to be done. Something needed to be done on that road because it really was taking your your take just taking your chances. You know, it really was the luck of the draw driving that thing because you never know because cars could just come at you and you are just and once you're out there in this intersection and it's a lopsided intersection. So once you're out there, cars are coming and cars are coming really fast. You know, there is no protections for you. You're going to get hit or you're going to hit somebody. That's it. There's only one or two actions. <laughs> and no, 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 no bear misses. So now that they put this, this structure in place, I think it's going to make a world of difference from all sides. That's what I like from all sides. You know, so high five, high five. I think, you know, I think it was, I think it's a good idea. So we'll see if it, if it does some good in that neighborhood. I personally think it will. I think it takes a little bit, uh, a little bit of time. You know, Uh, I think it takes a little time, a little bit of time to sort of get used to it. Because if you've not driven it and you run up on it, it will freak you all the way out. <laughs> you know, it it will freak you out. So I was like, I'm just trying to, just trying to like, you know, t- t- do the best that I can with what I have. So, uh, so yeah, drive it. Let me know what you think. You know, drive it. Just drive it. And, uh, you know, I, I I think this is the next step in in what needs to happen in our city around how to how to control traffic because uh, I I I've been noticing there's a lot more 
cars on the road in New Haven than I think I've ever seen at all times of the day. I mean, we're not big city traffic jam yet, but there are hours in the day when you drive in the city is problematic. Ooh. And then don't try to get out there and mix it up with the school buses. Then you really uh, have something on your hands. Then it really is uh, a challenge, you know. So I try to I try not to be competing with the buses. Uh, I'm not out first thing in the morning, so I don't have to worry about the buses. Although the last two weeks I've been driving um, the young Miss Sienna uh, to school and had to be in the mix of buses. I I, I don't I don't envy y'all who have to be out in the mornings contending with those buses. It, it's it it feels treacherous to me. Uh, but I have been. Uh, at the end of the day, that that two thirty to three four o'clock bus jam situations where they're you know picking up kids from school and getting them back to their neighborhoods, uh, that is challenging too. If you've not had that experience, don't. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for the babies getting on and off the bus. That's I, that's not my beat. It's so many buses, so many. And that time of day, uh, because you've got parents who got to go and pick kids up either at school or at bus stop drop-offs. That's a thing. And so you've got uh, twice as many buses, twice as many cars at, in, a, in a finite window of time, 2.30 to 4 o'clock, 2.30 to 4.30. I've seen them run that late. Uh, and it is uh, whew, challenging, to, to say the very least, you know. So I've had the morning experience because I've been dropping Miss Sienna off. Yesterday was my last day doing it, you know. And she she lives fairly close to her school. So, but me leaving from uh, Newhallville to get over to uh, uh, Westville, uh, if, if I am two to three minutes off my game time, I get caught in the influx of bus hell. I really do. It's it's hard. Uh, but if I leave at the right time, then I skirt all the buses. You know, I skirt them. And uh, I was like, oh, so because the other day I left, I got I left late and it just. Oh. <laughs> it added so much time to my trip so much time and mind you i'm not complaining about children getting on buses that is not my issue children have to get to where they have to go i support that what my issue is so many buses <laughs> so so many buses so many buses I mean, a lot of buses, short ones, long ones, long, long, long ones, short, short, short ones, buses, buses, here, there, everywhere, buses, buses. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So, but anyway, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there uh, because my mornings are here and I'm not in the bus fray. Uh, in the afternoons, uh, I'm at the inner city. But when I leave, 
when I leave my office at three, three thirty, it's problematic, you know. So I either have to leave a little bit before that time or wait um, because it's hard to get on a uh, Fitch Street when there are like buses, like a mountain, like a caravan of buses. It's like a caravan. And and down that whole Whaley corridor. <laughs> can you tell, can I can you tell that it it drives me absolutely crazy? Can I can you tell? It does. It does, it does, it does. You know, that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll be just fine. I'll survive. I'll survive. So, so yeah, so that's, that's, you know, that's all the, that's all the stuff that I, I, I have to talk about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I always have, uh, I always have, uh, I always have something to talk about. I talk about things all the time. And, uh, I'm never without things to discuss. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never without things to discuss. I've been deliberately staying away from politics for a while uh, at every level, except I had the the mayoral candidate for Hartford. I really liked him, Nick LeBron. I really, I really, I really had good vibes about him. I hope he can succeed in becoming Hartford's mayor. I just liked him. I don't know the other candidates. They not reached out to me. Plus, you know. Um, they don't have Candace Dorman as their campaign manager. So, and yesterday I had a great conversation with um, Patty Russo and my my good friend Ron Thomas. They're both my good friends, but Ron Thomas is my BFF, and so we had a good conversation because they've got they've got that two day uh, training, uh, the marriage between Yale Campaign School Campaign School at Yale and Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. So, uh, they for the last three years they've been doing these this joint training. Uh, of so you want to run for office kind of stuff and getting people to really consider that uh, and maybe you don't want to run for office maybe you want to serve on a board or a commission my first commission service was uh the commission on equal opportunities i served with my friend ron thomas that was the first my first mayoral appointment the commission on equal opportunities and it is the oldest civil rights uh, organization, municipal organization in the country here in New Haven, the Commission on Equal Opportunities. And, uh, and so it was my honor to serve uh, with my friend, Ron Thomas, uh, uh, Jackie Buster's mom, um, Mrs. Thomas, who uh, I did not know that she was Jackie's mom at the time, uh, but I, I see her now because they live down, they live on my street, they live down the street. So, um, so yeah, so, so it was a lively conversation. I mean, you have Patty Russo and Tom Ronison. You have Patty Russo and Ron Thomas in the room. It's going to be a lively discussion. It's so, so lively that Harry had to jump in and be like, hey, <laughs> you have wrapped this up. <laughs> I was like, Harry, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> you got three people who love to talk. I don't know how you shut that down, but shut it down. We did. So anyway, uh, uh, so go and look on the CCM website, go and look on the campaign school. Uh, they've got the trainings coming up and they're free. 
you know, if you even if you don't want to, even if you don't think you could run for anything, you you might want to get appointed to a a board of some sort and and do some community service that way. Um, I I would say sign up, sit in, and then uh, and see what happens. See what happens. See what moves you. You know, see see what moves you. I think it's a good idea. Uh, they're always well attended and and people from out of state and it's virtual. It's all virtual. So you can be at the house in your slippers uh, and a glass of wine and still sit in. Right. Like you're home. So uh, so think about it. And uh, folks from around the country have joined in lately because there's nothing else like it. You know, a marriage between uh, a, a, a organization like CCM, Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, that help uh Connecticut legislators who buy into the into the services of CCM um, do better at their job with uh, information and access to information, quantitative analysis, and uh, and and all the things. I mean, seriously. And then uh, you have Patty Russo who runs the campaign school at Yale, and it used to be the uh, campaign Yale campaign school for women at Yale. Uh, but but now that we 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 know that inclusive language uh, has to be used, and so it's the campaign school at Yale, you know, so that transgendered folks, uh, men, whoever, uh, can sort of jump in and and mostly women though. It's mostly it's always been mostly women, uh, but transgendered folks who are non-binary folks and all the folks who you know who who uh uh are interested and want to feel welcome. So uh, I did the campaign school fully on a gazillion years ago. It served me well. I still retain the tools uh, and the training. They still serve me well. Um, I, I am a natural public speaker. I do not shy away from public speaking. I have not met a mic that I didn't like or a crowd that I could not seduce. So uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, and you can, you too can sort of overcome whatever fears you have about speaking to people in public spaces. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so I've enjoyed my time at the campaign school. I hope you enjoy your time at the campaign school. But you won't know that unless you apply. Uh, so start with the 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 training that is offered by CCM and the campaign school. Get a taste for it. Wet your, wet your appetite and and if it feels satisfactory or it just spurs something in you then, then you go and see what else they got to offer and take some other trainings and then maybe you commit to the 10 day you know i mean the five day five day ain't cheap it ain't free uh but it is uh amazing so i'm just saying consider it uh it has changed my life and uh has made me better so there's that. <laughs> there is that. So, woo, I'm going to tell you, baby, there's so much going on, so much. There was something going on at the Divinity School yesterday. They had a whole day long conference symposium on things. And I just did not have the bandwidth to get to any of it. I was registered, but I didn't get a chance. My day just did not stack up with enough time to get over there and catch some of the happenings. And I, I truly am sorry because there's some, there's always some, some good stuff uh, uh, going on. Uh, Alexis uh, from Planned Parenthood 
National, the Planned Parenthood, uh, I think it's Alexis Smith. Um, she was in town and, uh, and she stopped by uh, the Planned Parenthood offices in the afternoon. I couldn't get over to see her. She was part of the, the, Yale, the Yale Divinity School conversation conversations. I couldn't get over to do any of that yesterday. Like I just, there's just something that you're going to miss in this town and you have to be okay with that because it'll come back around. I was invited to go see Paul McCartney last night. I knew I couldn't go see Paul McCartney. I would have loved to have seen him, but I was unable to because I was at Southern Connecticut State University supporting uh, the Africana Studies uh, Dr. Siobhan Carter and Shonda Holloway. So sorry, Sir Paul. I guess I have to see you next lifetime. You know, and he was he was at Woosley Hall at the Schwartzman Center um, uh, talking about his new book, um, about all the songs that he has written across uh, two, two, two very high-powered, prolific, life-changing, music-changing bands, um, the Beatles and Wings, and then his own solo uh career so i'm sure that was a, a rich 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 conversation so uh and there have been highlights of it you know uh on the news and and the like and i know that it'll be up on somebody's website yale's woosley hall somebody's and you could probably watch it in its entirety if you missed it which i might catch some of it so and thank you for inviting me and I'm sorry I could not I could not be there. I'm sorry I could not be at the Arts and Ideas Visionary Leadership Award. This was the first year in a very long time that I haven't been able to go to their Visionary Awards, uh, and they moved it from the Omni Hotel to uh, uh, Concorp, and and had a a rich turnout and a wonderful conversation. So I'm sorry that I couldn't make that because I was at Southern Connecticut State University at uh seven lenses the exhibition and hosting conversations so like i said you cannot be at everything you have to pick and choose the things that you can go to and 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 people in this town are are understanding i i go to enough stuff that i think i have some grace for not showing up to everything i at least i like to believe i do uh, i support the arts and ideas one of my favorite things i am right there dead center every summer uh on on the green for all the things I've participated in things. I've had conversations and things uh, I'm participating in something now for them um, for the upcoming uh, uh, season. I'm excited about. Uh, uh, so I, I, I am such a, a fan of them. I'm a fan of the Schwartzman center. They provide me great guests uh, uh, for the show and uh, they bring some amazing people to new Haven under the umbrella of the Schwartzman center. So uh, I, you know, Listen, it's good. It's good to be in this space where goodwill is is af afforded and attributed to me. So I, I'm appreciative. But I had to go and support uh, my peoples last night. And, uh, and it was a time. So I'm going to take a break. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Get me some water. And uh, I'm going to come back with uh, Dr. Siobhan uh, Carter-David and um, Shonda Holloway, and we're going to talk about Africana Studies at Southern Connecticut State University and the lovely, beautiful uh, exhibition, Seven Lenses. I'll be back. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. 
While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhvvax.org.
Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs, Love Talk. As I said to you, I am delighted to have uh, the folks that just came off a fabulously, fabulously successful reception last night, Dr. Siobhan Carter-David from uh, Southern Connecticut State University, Africana Studies, and Shonda Holloway, curator of Seven Lenses, Documenting Black Culture. Welcome, y'all. Thank you for having us. Good morning. Um, oh, your voice is still, uh, your voice is still. Uh, Thank you. Uh, spinning out. <laughs> I, I tried some, some honey and lemon. We'll see how it goes. So uh, Seven Lenses had his reception last night. It was fabulous. I thought it was fabulous. Wonderful turnout of people. Beautiful uh, artists showed up. I think more artists showed up than you originally thought were going to come. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which speaks to the importance of this work and this exhibition. So um, welcome. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Shonda and uh, Siobhan. How did you all think about this? So there had to be some planning, a lot of planning. But what was the initial thought around this exhibition? You want to start, Shonda? Well, well I'll get started. So uh, um, can you hear me at all? Can yes. You hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, okay. Sean and I, <laughs> um, I, I think we started. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Sean. It's okay. Go ahead, Siobhan. <laughs> so Somebody I, go. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think we did. We start. Did we? Did we start planning in like October? I thought it was like maybe even September. Right. I know it was, a, I say, it was a little bit of a ways back. Um, I would say us working together, though, goes back to 2019. Say that again? We did our first exhibition together in 2019. Exactly. So we, exactly. So we were doing some work at Southern trying to commemorate the 400th anniversary of the first enslaved Africans to come to the British North American colony. So we know that was August 2019. So that year we had a series of events. And Shonda and I, who had already known each other, got together and did the Kame Bre exhibit, um, where we featured a range of different artists and using different mediums. So we had that history to build on. Um, and then, Chanda, you came to me. I just wanted to give them the background to know that we this is our second time um, working together with you curating me, you know, working on the end of Southern, bringing in the academic institution. <clears throat> okay. So when you when you curate a theme, what was the impetus for seven lenses? Mm. I'll let you go ahead, Shonda. The, the, you said the differences between. No, what, what? When you create, when you okay. thought, when you were. understand the question. When you were thinking about a theme, how did you come up with seven lenses? Okay. Well, um, as, as Robert Cooper mentioned uh, yesterday, that you don't really see a lot in terms of photography. And uh, me personally, I am a printmaker who incorporates photography in the work. And so, you know, you, you do the thing, what they say, write the book you want to see. So this was the exhibition that I wanted to see. Um, there's just not enough uh, emphasis on Black photographers. And I wanted to highlight uh, what uh, the work that people are creating. 
and also to um, show just how wide uh, the the breadth of photography is. And so, you know, there's so many different perspectives, and I wanted to, you know, um, just kind of share that. Yeah, I wanted to highlight what people are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, Dr. Carter David, uh, when she came up with the theme, when y'all came up with the theme, what did you immediately think? So when she, so when when Chanda first reached out to me around maybe September October to talk about seven lenses, yep. my first thought was this last semester was the first semester of us launching the new Africana Studies minor at Southern Connecticut State University. So when we had worked together previously on the sixteen nineteen exhibition, you know, we I just got together a group of folks who served as like an ad hoc committee to do the programming. Um, and then we, we we linked up with Shonda to do the exhibition. But now as a formal program at Southern, we have more legitimacy. We have an account. We're able to, <laughs> you know, there's, there's other kinds of, because it's a minor and we have students that we have in the minor recruiting. There's a lot more institutional buy-in because it's not just a group of faculty doing something. It is the Africana Studies program. And so as soon as Shonda said that, I said, oh, we can do that through Africana Studies. This can be our inaugural event. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so Dr. Carter, David, talk to me about the Africana studies, because you touched a little bit on it last night at the reception, uh, but this is a whole new audience this morning. So talk to me about what, what the history of that is. Absolutely. So, so years ago, there was an African studies minor that was created by African, stu- uh, African history of, uh, when we say Africanists, so a historian who did African history. But the minor fell short of what we would want to see in a minor that's focusing, was supposed to focus on the history and culture and politics of a community. Um, Without getting into the details, it was a bit problematic of a minor, I would say, but it was probably in line with what this older professor um, saw in his field of African studies at the time. Um, We currently do not have a professor teaching African studies at Southern, although I do teach um, African diaspora history. And so when we thought about revamping the minor, we decided rather than creating a whole new minor, um, that we would actually take the African African studies minor and change it because the African studies minor was inactive. And so we wanted the Africana studies minor to be reflective of two things. Um, The first is the, the intellectual breadth of the Black faculty at Southern, and not just Black faculty, there are other faculty members at Southern that do do uh, work that are Africana studies related. Um, but we wanted to make sure that we were uh, tapping into the, um, you know, the intellectual know-how and expertise of the faculty at Southern, which currently is no Africanist, but there are those of us who do African diasporic work in history and literature and public health and social work and economics. Um, and so there's a, we're, we're faculty all over the, um, the um, institution. Secondly, we wanted to represent the diversity of the Black student body at Southern through our curriculum and our programming. Because um, <clears throat> I don't know exactly when it started, but certainly over the course of the last 10 years, the um, percentage of Black students at Southern Connecticut State University, and when I say Black, I'm talking diasporic, right? I'm not talking African-American. Right. I'm talking people identify as Black all over the world. Um, we uh, that, that the percentage of those students has grown significantly. 
So Southern Connecticut State University is now about 40% students of color. And wow. estimate, I, I think around half of those students might be students who identify as black. So that might mean about one in five students at Southern might be might identify as black. I'm guessing at this at this point now. And so when we taught the Africana studies, the intro course last semester for the first time, myself and um Dr. Brandon Hutchinson, who is the co-director, <clears throat> we had 10 students in the class, all black, two American, two uh, Haitian, a Puerto Rican, a Ugandan, two Ghanaians, and I'm missing something. I'm sorry. I said Haitian already, but you get the point, right? Ugandan? I think it's Ugandan. Ugandan, a Ghanaian, Nigerian. Uh, yeah, so, so we actually had the continent of Africa, not just West Coast represented, the Spanish right. and English-speaking Caribbean, the United States, just in our classroom in terms of the student body. Um, and so our goal is really to, to grow this program. Um, I'm going to call it and claim it. Maybe one day it'll grow to be a major, or maybe it'll just be a minor that gets a lot of um, attention and resources do really, really good programming for students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. And so partnering with... Uh with Shonda and curating this, this event um, under the umbrella of the Africana studies. Um, so that maybe opens the door to more sort of collaborative things, Shonda. The idea of collaborating oh, absolutely. Absolutely. more. Siobhan yeah. and I are already, already talking about uh, future <laughs> exhibitions. Definitely, definitely, uh, uh. definitely, definitely. So, so Shonda, I, I would, when you are... Add, Okay. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I just add. wanted to add that the 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 artists the the the, the artists that are in this exhibition, um, I just think that they are uh, the ones uh, for this. Um, the, I don't know what the word is, what to say, how to say this, but for to introduce the Africana Studies program. These are these are the these are the artists, you know. Um, each of these artists could could actually be studied their work, you know. So I just wanted to say that, yeah. Oh no, I like that. So when you when you put the call out to artists, did you have these mm -hmm. artists in mind, or were you say, you know what, I'll put it out there and see what happens? So you know what, I actually didn't necessarily put out an official call. Uh, there are artists whose work I study. And sometimes I put a call out and sometimes I, if I have a concept in mind, just like a, a director of a movie, you know who's going to play this role, you know who's going to deliver. And so um, several of them, I knew their work and I, I reached out to them and, and, you know, shared the concept and asked them to send me some JPEG and they did. And uh, two of them, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine, a Tim, a taunt. And uh, I asked her if she could refer me uh, to artists, and uh, she she did. And I looked at the work, and it spoke to the theme, and the rest is history. Yeah. Sometimes, was... you know, I don't always put out calls because sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But if I really, if I really have something that I want to deliver, and I know it's like a like a puzzle, if I know each each of the artists' work is going to fit like a puzzle, then there's no need to put out a call. Okay. I, I was quite moved and struck by the young sister who uh, did the reenactment photos 
of the first enslaved woman in New Haven. Like that's that's still in my spirit, Dr. Carter David. Like I, you know, when you told me this when our initial meeting, I I, I didn't, I don't think I grasped it until I saw her yesterday. And she talked about it just freaked me out. And I thought I walked these streets. I walked these same streets that this young woman had to have walked, you know, at that moment. And what would and I keep thinking about what did that feel like to be an enslaved woman in New Haven and not have your freedom? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about that often, you know, being a historian, someone who studied slavery. And to know at bare minimum that when our enslaved ancestors came to uh, the colder of the North American colonies, they were probably freezing, right? I'm just thinking about that shift of coming from somewhere where it's very warm to somewhere where it's cold and you're probably not going to be adequately clothed. Um, but absolutely. And um, that artist's name is Katrina Goldburn. Thank and you. I, yes. And I've spoken with her about um, hopefully early next semester, maybe our first program um, being... Uh, her coming up and maybe talking about her work um, uh, through the Africana Studies program and the history department, because we currently have a digital New Haven program um, and courses that are taught on the um, history of New Haven. And so it'd be really nice to bring her in and maybe have a larger program that extends beyond Africana Studies to talk about the history of our city. I, I was quite moved by her. I know Lydia Douglas, because she's a personal friend of mine, but I, I love uh, the way that she talked about how uh, she loves capturing Black people and that we don't all, we don't see ourselves in regular, ordinary situations, you know, having fun or doing what families do or just being beautiful Black people. Uh, I, I enjoyed that very much. I thought, I thought that was just the right capstone on, on, on this whole exhibit for me that we don't see our blackness displayed this way. So Shonda, tell me a little bit about, um, because you had Linda Mickens in the mix, who is not mm -hmm. a photographer, but it is uh, a, a, a different kind, a, a, an artist, but a sculptor. Right. Well, Linda's work, just like photography, it captures a moment in time. And so, uh, most of the piece, the, all of the work in there was some form of portraiture. So I consider her sculpture a portrait that you could actually touch. And, uh, you know, her work speaks for itself and it worked beautifully uh, in the case with Ebony's work. And, um, you know, it, 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 was, it was just great to, that she was available and that she was willing to share her work. Yeah. I, I tell you what else I was struck by, that all the photographers were very different in their approach and in what they yeah. took pictures of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, the style. Well, we I, wanted I, you know, to, yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just going to make the point that I feel like often um, there's, certain, there's certain types of media or, or literature, like you can pick up on people's style, right? So I can hear someone rapping and I know what hip hop artist it is because I know what he or she sounds like. And now that I'm learning to study art a bit, I'm learning too that you can also look at art and get an idea of a style, even through photography, right? Can I make one more point too? Um, 
uh, Babs, just back to your point about, I think it was Lydia Douglas who made the comment about loving to photograph Black people. And I remember, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Shonda, that mm-hmm. years prior, the way that uh, the, the mechanics around photography was set up, the engineering yeah. around it, you might say, was not conducive to darker skin tones. And Absolutely. that it's only been in recent years <laughs> that they created that technology. And so Black photographers yeah. have learned over years how to navigate all of that. So I took that as what exactly. she was saying to what she said. She said, um, I love melanin. And I thought I yeah. felt like meant she wants to see rich browns of all kinds of yeah. shades. And she knows how to capture that. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's a good, that's yeah. a good point. Can you imagine what it would, what it has taken to sort of for black photographers to thrive in a world that uh, really didn't want to see black photographers or black people's images. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Shonda, this exhibit is very different from the exhibit that you did at the Ely Center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you did that one with Susan Clinton. You, you uh, curated uh, yeah. a different, a different exhibit. So talk, talk mm-hmm. to me about how, how do you come to curation? How do you come to think about, well, this, this particular exhibition needs this, or when I'm mm-hmm. over here at Southern, this exhibition should be this. Mm-hmm. Well, to, to speak about the, the exhibition at, at uh, the Ely Center, um, so it was called Aquaba, and, and you know, it's obviously, you know, it's welcoming, right? And so the Ely Center is in fact a home. And so the idea was to uh, include artists whose work spoke to the setting and uh, the theme of welcoming. And so that's what that was about. And Susan's work, <laughs> you can't really even describe it, you know, there, 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 there's pain, there's joy, uh, there's uh, commemoration, um, and there's humanity, all of that, you know, and in a house, there's pain, there's joy, there's commemoration, that, you know, these are the things that are in, in the house, and so the Ely Center, it's, it's a gallery, but it's a house, and so we wanted to connect that, and also, uh, over the course of a few years, the coming years, there will be uh, more exhibits around that theme of, of welcoming and home. And so that's what that was about. And uh, again, when I do an exhibit, regardless of uh, who the artists are, I try to uh, let there be a commonality, but let everyone's voice sing. And so we know Susan, her, her work sangs, you know what I mean? So we wanna, I wanted to have her and David Holzman and Clemenza. And so all of these people work, uh, spoke to the subject matter and they were able to, um, you know, uh, kind of serve as a, as a, as a group, a group, uh, a group, as opposed to, you know, one person's work shines over the other. And so that's how I, um, arrived at that. And, um, to be honest with you, when, um, when I work with Siobhan, uh, during these past few exhibits, it gives me, I don't have any, I don't have any, um, restrictions about what I want to convey in terms of blackness. There's just absolutely, you know what I mean? As long as it's done professionally, I can do what I want to do. 
and uh, that space. Um, and I'm not just talking about uh, uh, physical, but that space allows me the freedom to do what I want to do. And I'm not saying that I'm not able to do that at uh, Ecoca, but it's just a different space and uh, a different a different mission. You know what I mean? And so that's that. You know, definitely. I like it. So, so Dr. Carter yeah. David, um, does these kinds of events and exhibitions support and help you build the Africana studies the way that you want? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so <clears throat> I talked with um, Shonda recently and I said, you know, maybe we should consider doing this every other year because when we think about Africana studies, um, unlike history, Africana, uh, um, Africana history or history of the diaspora, or unlike black literature, or like someone who studies, um, we have a faculty member in the political science department who studies black mayors and local politics. Africana studies or black studies is interdisciplinary. And so we're gonna want our programming to focus on that. We're gonna want a little bit of art. We're gonna wanna make sure we're bringing some literature people in. At some point we'll be doing music. We wanna do theater. We wanna make sure that um, uh, we do some public health stuff around you know concerns around black public health. Black economics, I mean, Blacks in education is endless. And so I think what our goal is going to be in the, um, we'll be meeting in a couple of weeks, the steering committee is to start thinking about programming that attaches itself to a range of different disciplines. Um, but art is fun. It's beautiful. It can be interpreted so many different ways. And so I think it's a, it's a continuity that we'll have to see every single year in some way, shape or form in our programming. And I, I met some of your steering committee last night too. Yeah. Uh, and yes. they were so proud. <laughs> yes, yes. They were yes. so proud. And uh, and it was a wonderful thing to see, to see people so invested in the success of of this event. You know what it is? I have to honestly say this. I think I can I can say this with most certainty that most of the professors at Southern Connecticut State University love teaching. It is a teaching intensive institution. Um, and so for you to build a career there, you have to love to be with students. And we love our students and we want what's best for them. And we, we have an idea about what that might be. And so I think that our, 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 when you see the steering committee so excited, it's because we know our students need this. They want it and they deserve it. Um, being at a regional state university, we don't always have the most resources. You know, we're a mile away from one of the most prestigious institutions in the entire world that has all the money to spend. So the contrast is very obvious being here in New Haven, you know, seeing that other institution on one end and then Southern, you know, a, a mile away. Um, and so it just it just pushes us forward to want to do whatever we can to bring good pro programming to our students. And even students that don't show up to a program still know that these programs are happening. And that's what we want for them. Because as many, you know, I went to a historically black college, um, but not all black students are going to get to do that. It's much Where'd more. Where'd you school. go? I went to Morgan State. Proud oh, Morgan State, yes. Class yes. of 2001. Um, <laughs> I was an English major. And um, many of our students would like to go to HBCUs, but it's very expensive. And if you're not getting a scholarship and if your parents can't afford to do it, then you go to a state school and it doesn't have to be, a, it's not a last resort necessarily, but we try to make, um, this, uh, you know, there was a time when I thought I wanted to teach at HBCU, and I know now that I'm needed just as much, if not more, at schools like Southern that are historically or predominantly white institutions, but have a large, invested, um, interested, 
intelligent black student body. And so we just want to be there to provide this, this, this curriculum and the program. And we put all that together um, and we'll push forward with it. And maybe even a little bit of activism down the road if we can get organized enough. I love so, it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So Shanja, what do you, what do you want people to take away from this exhibit? What do you, what do you, what is the story you want people to walk away from about black people? Oh boy. Um, to, to just simply uh, be uh, unleashed <laughs> internally, you know, and, and, you know, if you are, are creative, create, if you want to create, create. Also, uh, we have to keep telling our own stories. You know what I mean? Uh, don't worry about how someone perceives uh, what you're trying to do. Just do it, you know, just do it. And we are responsible for recording what happens to us so that someone else is not telling the story. And you can't be upset about something if someone keeps telling this, maybe stories that are stereotypical or what have you, you know, if that's going to be told, well, what are you doing uh, to counter that? You know, so you, you, you have to take your, your story in your own hand and um, to, to uh, respond to what you guys were saying, what you were saying earlier about uh, the range of artists in there, that was intentional because, you know, we are a, 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 broad, diverse group of people. And so that was important to um, have all these different voices uh, be heard. And I just want, I just want us to continue to be heard and to validate ourselves, you know? And that if once we validate ourselves, the world will have to recognize. I'm not looking for external validation. I have to validate me first, you know? And it's just like back in the day when people used to go and get a BET award and they would say, you know, I like my Grammy, you know, I like my Emmy, but this means so much. And it's not that the other stuff doesn't matter, but this is really important. And that's where I, that's where I stand. And um, I just, I hope that um, any show that's done will ignite other people to um, organize their own exhibitions, curate their shows. We, this has to happen. You know, we got all this technology, but who's really recording what's important? You know, who's, who's really recording, who's really preserving. And that's what the technology should be used for because we didn't have this back in the day, you know? Like Lydia said, you know, you had to develop film. You know what I mean? You had to go <laughs> in the dark room and hope it came out good. But now in an instant, you could edit, you know what I mean? Delete and all that kind of stuff. So we are at an advantage in many ways, but we just have to really value that and see that and, and do something with it. Mm. So, so uh, Siobhan, I yeah. want to, ask you because Southern Six. And Bab, I just want yes. to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything I for just you, wanted girl. to say thank you. You did Th a, No, thank a, you for the beautiful wonderful job last night. When Siobhan and I were, were talking. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. We, you, were, you were the one. You were the one we wanted. Yep. We were like, Bab has, Babs has to do this. Yeah. Well, it, it's my honor and my fun. I'd do anything Definitely. for y'all. Um, uh, I love the piece of artwork that you gifted me. It's going up on my wall today, and <laughs> I got a I got a space excellent, for it. Excellent, it's all excellent. good. So, but Siobhan, I wanted to excellent. ask you. You know, Southern sits right there, uh, a mile from Yale, but it's you know it sits it sits at, at the at, in New Haven and Hampton proper. 
Um, how do you invite the community in? Do you want the community in? The, it, most institutions, and I will say this about all of them, not uniquely Southern, not uniquely Yale, not uni uniquely Albertus Magnus, not uniquely University of New Haven, and not uniquely Gateway. These institutions tend to fumble and stumble when in, inviting community to, to their spaces. And, and not doing a good job of inviting community to spaces. I mean, do you think about that? Because you are not from New Haven or Hamden. You are you are from New York, and and you come uh, with a different a different sense of of community. And now that you are here, rooted, uh, talk to me about how do you how do you bridge those gaps between these different communities and invite them into these spaces. You know, as of right now, I've just been doing it in these informal ways. I'm, I think the first time I met you, for example, was at Roxana Kenton's house, right? We were doing, it was like a, a, a woman's party. Um, I'm, I know Shonda's family, so I met her because I grew up with her cousin in New York. Um, and so inviting the community in as of right now has just been like my, my loose connections because what I'm realizing, and, and I, I, I love Southern, what it has done. Um, to help me grow my career, for me to be who I want to be. I always wanted to be a history professor. I'm a history professor there. Um, but I also know from my previous experiences that you don't just depend on the institution to fulfill you in the ways that you need. And everywhere I go, I build my Black community. I lived in, in Bloomington, Indiana for eight years when I was in graduate school, met some of the best people out there. Those are still my friends. And now I live in the New Haven area. I live in Hamden. Um, I work in uh, New Haven. My kids go to school in New Haven. We own a house, my husband, I mean, this is where we live. My kids are growing up here. I'm gonna retire probably, right, living in this house. And so um, um, there's one woman who I, uh, I can't remember the woman's name. She's a Japanese American activist from the sixties. And she was from Detroit and people always asked her, and she's since passed on, they asked her, why did you stay in Detroit? And she said, because I believe that if you're gonna be, if you're gonna make real change, you have to be rooted somewhere. There's nothing wrong with being a traveler, but that's a different kind of lifestyle than the one that I want for myself. I want to leave a legacy somewhere and you have to be rooted in that. And so while we'll probably formalize some community partnerships in the future, right now for me, those partnerships are just coming through the connections I have. I'm a member of a variety of organizations and historical societies in addition to the work I do at Southern. Um, and so we just bring community in that way. And I also want to add to that, <clears throat> I have met some people from New Haven who've never stepped foot on any of the campuses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not from New Haven, but I'm from the Bronx. I'm a hood girl. I know what that's like. Um, I understand what it means to be in a community where everyone is not going to school, right? Some people don't even graduate from high school. And so um, I want to always in my life and I'm out there in the work, there's no division between my life, my personal life and my work. I mean, it's a division, but it blends into each other. And so I always want to invite people up to campuses and demystify a university. It's a university. I'm a regular girl from the Bronx. I went to college. I wanted to be a professor. So I went to grad school. I became one. You can come up to this campus. It's not, it's not this big a deal. I mean, I can go on my socialist rant, but I just believe public higher education should be free <laughs> and you should be able to come up on campus and take classes and do whatever else you need to do. I'm a strong believer in that. So that's just going to happen organically through just who I am as a person. Yeah. All right. So thank you for that. I, I, I love that you said that. Um, the exhibit is open. People can go see it. How long will it be up to? March 4th. Okay. 
So people have time, have a couple of weeks to go and experience this beautiful exhibition, mm-hmm. um, Seven Lenses. So, well, thank you all so much for joining me this morning. I truly enjoyed myself yesterday. I I love to support and thank elevate you. Black women. If you don't know that, you you know it now. I, I, I'll say yes to anybody who is trying to do uh, artistic good in our community and y'all are doing it. So thank you for last night and all the artists that showed up. Like I, I enjoyed each and every one of them, truly enjoyed them. So uh, so thank you for a wonderful evening of uh, art and culture and Blackness. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So have a good weekend. And good uh, weekend. I hope we stay, I mean, we'll stay in touch because we know you, each you other. Thank you, too. Yeah. <laughs> so thank exactly. y'all. Have a good weekend. All right, That's Harry. Awesome. Thank y'all. Thank you. you uh, Monday, Bye. I got Dr. Uh, Jonathan you. Berryman coming on. Cause he's got a thing coming up at the new Haven museum and uh, and I'm looking forward to that. So y'all behave, have a good weekend. Thank you very much. Shonda. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day.